Okay, I want to start by asking you a question. Have you ever experienced a moment of tension? Have you ever experienced a moment of like, ooh, I don't want to be here. Like, I want to run away. And you just feel it deep inside of you or you're like, oh, this is, I don't like this. I don't like any part of it. Uh, you know, I've had a few of those moments and I want to share with you a story um, because this is probably like, one of the most profound experiences that I've had. Um, and it took place when we were planning a birthday party for a friend, okay? Um, so we knew one of our friends, their birthday was coming. We wanted to do something special for them. We wanted to, you know, make them feel super, super loved and appreciated. And so uh, a, our friend group sat down and we said, you know, what can we do for this friend? So we put out all the ideas. Let's go bowling. Let's go for dinner. Let's go skydiving. Let's go. Anything was on the table. Okay. Um, and so we threw out like 20,000 ideas. Um, and then we landed nowhere is where we landed. We had zero plan. Um, and we just kind of left it there. But sure enough, our friend's birthday rolls around. And um, one of our other friends says, guys, don't worry. I have a plan. And all of us were so excited. We're like, this is going to be amazing. Our friend is going to feel so special. I didn't have to plan it. Wow. And so we get in the car and we start driving. At this point, I'm studying out in BC, so uh, in a city called Abbotsford, and we start driving towards Vancouver. And Vancouver um, is beautiful, so I'm thinking, you know, we're going to see some sights. We're going to go some places, maybe meet some people. Like, who knows? Um, we start driving, and we start driving 30 minutes, you know, 45 minutes. And then I'm like, okay, this is getting like a long car ride. Um, and I notice that the general trajectory of our trip is upward. Um, in other words, we start driving around a mountain. And um, it was very intriguing, and I was still very excited because I thought to myself, you know, maybe we'll go to a lookout and there'll be this beautiful scenery from the mountains and we'll, you know, see a nice stream, maybe see some exotic birds. Like, I don't know, anything can happen. Um, and then I start seeing signs for a bungee jump. Whistler bungee. And I'm praying deep in my soul that we're driving past the bungee place. Um, but sure enough, I start feeling the excitement in the car because the secret has gotten out that we are going bungee jumping. Now, everybody else was excited, but for me, I remember that feeling I was telling you about? That's the feeling that I was experiencing because something you need to know about me is that I actually don't love heights. They make me kind of uncomfortable. They're not like, wow, this is amazing. And so, I'm now in this car surrounded by people who are super excited to go bungee jumping and I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place um, because everyone around me, you know, wants to go, but I am internally freaking out. So there is both an external pressure and an internal pressure. Anyways, we go, we drive there, um, I cry a little, I bungee jump, and then we, we all make it back in one piece. Praise God, I'm here today. Um, but what often creates those moments of tension in our hearts is a place of uh, pressure externally and internally, 
right? So externally, so there are a variety of different pressures that perhaps you may feel for different reasons, whether it be expectations of others or, um, you know, situations that you may find yourself in. Um, but there are also internal pressures that come up, whether they be insecurities, expectations of yourself or of others. And there's all these different kinds of things that sometimes we can find ourselves in a place of deep and profound tension. This is true about us as individuals, but it's also true about us as a church. Because whether you realize it or not, as a church, we find ourselves in a bit of a tension. That we live in a world that we are not of, but we need to exist in it. And so um, there are philosophies, ideas, worldviews that exist outside of the church that sometimes desire to influence the way that we follow Jesus. And so there's external pressure. And sometimes we can also experience that within the church. That sometimes there are moments um, when we have tension between each other. Weird. Must be a different church, actually. Um, no, like, there are moments when there are tensions between us because sometimes we can see things a little bit differently. And it's good. And it's healthy. And it's the way that it should be. But sometimes it can create a little bit of tension. And you know what? This external and internal tension is, is nothing new. It's actually existed in church um, since church has existed. Um, and so Paul speaks to this when he uh, sends a letter to the church of Colossae, which is the letter of Colossians. Um, and so that's where we're going to be today. We're going to start reading in chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. And in the church of Colossae, there is some tension, okay? There's some tension between Jews and non-Jews. There are a variety of different issues, um, different teachings going on um, that Paul is going to address throughout his letter. But he really starts here. He starts with a very specific statement about who Jesus is. And it causes us to ask the question, what in life surpasses all else? And so let's read Colossians 1, 15 to 20. He, meaning Jesus, um, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so these beautiful verses show us a few things. First is that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So if we want to know him, that we have to look at Jesus. If we want to know God, we have to look at Jesus. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. So therefore, declaring his authority over all of creation. And Jesus rules over everything. So his work on the cross can reconcile anything. So why is all this important? 
Why, why does Paul make such a, a distinct effort to say to the church um, of Colossae, like, Jesus is preeminent. Jesus is in control of all things. Jesus has authority over everything. Like, why does he make such a big deal of it before he begins to address any issues? Well, it's because he's actually laying the foundation for any conversations that we have within church. As followers of Jesus, as Christians, we can't have conversations without understanding that Jesus is our ultimate authority. You see, Jesus is in charge of all creation. He has authority out there, but he also should have ultimate authority in our lives. He should be the one that surpasses all else in our hearts and in our minds. Every other affection, if it takes that place, there will be issues. For example, if, if relationships take that place, there becomes a place of unrealistic expectations and, and divisions. If finances take that place, there's, there's fear, there's greed, there's anxiety, perhaps dissatisfaction. If organizations or if our affection for government or, or organizations takes that spot, then there's a desire to control or, or judgment or disappointment. If teams or work take that place, and there's comparison and jealousy and so many other places. You see, the crucial understanding is this, that the root of many problems we face are a result of other things, even good things taking preeminence in our life and heart. And so when other things, even good things, take the place that Jesus is supposed to have, then we've created a problem. It's just a matter of time before it shows up somewhere. And so Paul tells the church, listen, make Jesus everything. Make Jesus the thing that is in your life the most important. And he warns them. He says, do not let yourself be taken captive. Because to Paul, if we give anything else this place of priority and importance, then we've been taken captive by something. And so let's read in Colossians 2, verse 6 to 8. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So Paul warns the church. He says, don't be deceived. Don't be taken captive by philosophy and empty deceit. And there are many ways that we can do this. And, and, you know, good things, if they become ultimate things, we have some issues. Here's a simple example, compassion. Most of us can agree that compassion is a good thing, right? It's something that we're to strive for. It's something that we see in the life of Jesus. Jesus was compassionate. He was moved by compassion. Compassion is a good thing. But yet, 
compassion taken to an extreme. Compassion can lead someone to enable an addict. Compassion can lead someone to coddle an individual so that they're not able to grow up. Compassion can lead to us compromising our convictions at different moments. And so what I'm saying is not that we be less compassionate, but what I'm saying is that our compassion has to come under Jesus. And so how do we do this? How, how do we walk well? How do, how do we keep everything in order, making sure that Jesus is our focus and everything else that may be good is in its proper place? He, Paul tells us to walk in, root ourselves, and be built up in Jesus. And how do we do this? It's being established in faith as you were taught. And so, in other words, it's looking at God's word and finding the truth there. It's finding the truth of God and allowing God's truth to transform our hearts and our minds. But this is not an easy task, right? It's, it's one thing to say, I, I want to make Jesus everything. I want to, you know, make God my ultimate focus. But it's another thing to do it. And it can be challenging to know how do we do this. And so if we're going to, be, to walk in Jesus, if we're going to be rooted in him and built up, we actually have to learn a very specific skill, and it's a skill of discernment. It's a skill of, of deciphering between right and wrong, the way of Jesus and not the way of Jesus. Because you see, Paul warns them about, in this case, empty deceit, but used in different uh, areas of the Bible. In Ephesians, he calls it empty words. In Matthew 15, 14, um, Jesus uh, presents something very similar, but he calls them blind guides. In other words, there are all these things that, in, from, a, from an outward perspective, seem absolutely appealing, but once you look a little bit closer, there is no substance to them. You know, there are a variety of different phrases and, and terminologies and ideologies in our world today, which sound extremely appealing, sometimes even inspiring, like, follow your heart. If it feels right, then you must, you must be going the right direction. And you know what? It sounds good. That sounds fun. Doesn't it? Go where your heart leads you. That sounds simple enough. I can do that. I've got emotions. I've got feelings about certain things. I've got things that I enjoy. But yet in Scripture, we learn that the heart is deceitful above all else. And so we, we can see ideologies like this, but we need to know God's truth. And when we, emotions are not a bad thing. But when they become the way that leads our life, the guides to the way that we make choices, like issues begin to present themselves. And so friends, there is an honest tension in all of it. 
because we, we want to follow the way of Jesus, or I hope that is the desire of our hearts, but sometimes we can get caught up in other things. And I want us to look at specific a specific example um, that Paul uses in the book of Colossians, and it has to do with Jewish and non-Jewish believers. Um, so there were Jews that were a part of um, the following of Jesus, but there were also those who weren't Jewish, right? And so the Jewish people had certain customs, certain ways of living, certain laws um, before Jesus came, and they continued to abide by those. And non-Jewish believers um, didn't have those commands. They didn't have that understanding of the law. And so when non-Jewish believers are brought into the following of Jesus, what happens is that there begins to be a little bit of tension. Um, And the Jews tell them, you have to be circumcised in order to follow Jesus. Um, And so it's in this space that Paul digs in, and he seeks to just clarify a few things. He actually uses this to point to something bigger. And so we're going to be reading in Colossians 2, verse 11 to 12. So in him also you were circumcised with the circumcision without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And so in this passage, Paul is talking about circumcision, but he's also talking about something bigger. You see, he says that there's a circumcision that takes place when we follow Jesus that happens without hands. In other words, the Jewish believers were so focused on a physical attribute or a physical marking that they missed the whole idea that when we accept Jesus, we are marked by his spirit. And this is a mark that goes so much deeper. In the, and the effects of this marking of our lives transforms everything. And so what he's calling them to is is not to focus on should I be circumcised or not, but what he's saying is focus on Jesus. Like if you were just to understand that Jesus is everything, some of these things would become non-issues. I wonder how many of the things that you and I worry about on a regular basis would be addressed simply by putting Jesus first. By going to Jesus first. And this is where Paul goes with it, because in Colossians 3, verse 1, he says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And so Paul goes on and he says, set your mind on things above. Stop focusing on on these little arguments. Stop focusing on who is right or wrong. Set your eyes on Jesus. Allow Jesus to be the one who surpasses all other affections in your life. And if you are in that space, then what you need to do is to actually put to death what is earthly in you. Says that in verse 5. And so for some of us, the call today is to look up and to just let everything that is going on around us just be peripheral to us looking at Jesus 
and inviting him to be our everything, the thing that surpasses all other affections in our lives. And for others of us, it's actually an invitation to put some things to death. And all this means is taking something that used to have our affection and releasing it. It's putting it to death. It's not giving it life. It's not giving it priority. It's not giving it a hold on us. And so if Jesus is the one who surpasses all understanding, there is a transformation in both our hearts and our minds that actually allows peace to prevail. We are called to put off our old self and put on something better, which is our new self, which is being renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so with one final passage, Colossians 3, verse 15 to 17, we read really where all of us would like to walk. And it's this. That if we make Jesus center, starting in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, thanks, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, you and I, everything that we do is meant to be for Jesus. It's actually meant to not point to ourselves, but to point to Jesus. And we're meant to do it with gratitude in our hearts. Friends, I know that I'm guilty of this at times. Moments where I have not been grateful. Moments where it's been, oh, I have to do this. God, why are you making me do this? Like, why did you ask me to say yes to this thing? Like, there are moments when serving God will be hard, but yet we're called to serve with thankfulness in our hearts. Why? Because it's not about you, and it's not about me. It's about God. It's about putting him first. And in that, if we engage this place, what happens the peace of Christ rules over our hearts. Man, like, can you imagine what it would look like for you to walk in peace every day, not just some days? Come on. Like, what would it look like for you to walk in peace every day and not just some days? Like, it would be beautiful. It would be exciting. It would be peaceful and joyful and life-giving. A part of it is we first have to choose God first. And so that's my invitation to you. 
is this week, this month, this year, I pray for the rest of our lives, that we intentionally choose to set Jesus as our Lord in such a way that everything that we do is for him. And in that space, we choose to walk in him, root ourselves in him, be built up by him with one another. And that all the empty deceit of culture would remain out there, but that we would be able to ground ourselves in the truth of God's word. And in doing so, make Jesus central, allowing the truth to remain, but traditions and our opinions and anything that is not of God to just fade away. Can we pray together? Father, I just thank you for today. We thank you that, thank you for the opportunity to be here and the opportunity to choose you today. Thank you that today is is the perfect day to choose to set you as Lord. And so I pray even now that um, each of us would make that decision in our hearts to choose you above all else, to make you the one whom we desire the most, the one whom we love, the one who surpasses all else in our lives. And Father, I pray that you would grow us in the the knowledge of your word so that we, we may walk with you, be rooted in you, and be built up by you. And in doing so, make a difference in our world. Would you use us for your glory? And may we walk every step in peace and in gratitude, knowing you and loving you. Would you lead us and guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.